Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Amen. Praise God. The book of Esther chapter 5, reading verse 1. Esther chapter 5, reading verse 1. You do not want to miss this weekend. This preacher that's here tonight through the weekend is God uses him mightily. Mightily. Young preacher that God's hand is upon. Our young people are going to be so impacted and blessed tonight as well as this weekend. And you might say, how are we having revival? But it's not in the sanctuary here. Well, it's in the youth sanctuary. As a youth pastor, I've learned that sometimes young people will respond in that manner without all the adults in a way they wouldn't if they were in here. And we want to give them that opportunity tailored for them, specifically to them. And listen, he's going to preach to all of us on Sunday. You do not want to miss it. Can you say amen? Good to see Brother Sister Donato here. Amen. Would you welcome them back home? Praise God. All the way from Florida. And um, chapter 5, verse 1. Now it came to pass on the third day. That's the third day that the fasting had went on with all the Jews in Shushan. That Esther put on her royal apparel. Look at your neighbor and say, do you have on your royal apparel tonight? royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house over against the king's house and the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house and it was so when the king saw Esther the queen standing in the court that she obtained favor in his sight And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter and said the king unto her, what wilt thou, Queen Esther? And what is thy request? Verse 3 ends this way. It shall be even given thee to the half of the kingdom. How powerful is that? You can ask whatever you want to. I sure do like you. Whatever you want, up to half of the entire kingdom. The kingdom was 127 countries or provinces. The Bible calls them provinces. That individually had kings. He was the king of kings. How many know we serve the king of kings? And how many believe that we are the bride of the king of kings? Praise God. Clap your hands and praise him. Come on, give him a high praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to preach, teach tonight to you about Esther on Esther's progression of faith. Last week I talked about the seasons of it. I'm going to talk about her progression of faith. God bless you as you are seated. Somewhere in the second service on Sunday, my voice has not been the same, but I'm sure it will come back at some point. So if you will indulge me tonight, I will preach as best that I can. Esther, a Jew, 
in a Persian country. Esther is there during the captivity. How many know the three significant, significant things that happened in those 70 plus years of children of Israel being removed from the Jerusalem into Babylon or then become known as all of Persia, 127 in the kingdom of Persia. Anybody remember what they were? One was Daniel in the lion's den. One was the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. And we have Esther, the story of Esther in this, in this similar time period. Esther was a Jew that had been chosen because Ahasuerus had, had asked his wife Vashti to come, the queen, to come in uh, to the banquet. And she told him no. When he counseled with the elders of the kingdom, they said if, if something's not done about this, this is going to create rebellion in all of the kingdom. So you know what he did? He replaced her. He replaced her. And what did he do? He sent a, cow, a call out to everybody. All the fair virgins of the land could come. And who came after, I talked about it last week, just reiterating a few points here. Six months and six months, 12 months total, did they prepare for this day to stand before the king to be chosen. The Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. And after a year of preparation, when Esther stood before the king, what did the king do? He didn't need to see anybody else. When he saw Esther, she had favor in his eyes, and he said, I want her to be my queen. Praise God. I do believe that it is up to us to follow his word, to be pleasing to him. I, I, I believe that, come as you are. But he won't leave you the way he found you. I mean, no, we all come from somewhere. But at some point through repentance, God changed us into what he wanted us to be. And we started, Revelation 19 says, says uh, he's coming after a bride that has made herself ready. How many want to make yourself ready for that great day before the Lord? I want to please him. And so she pleases him. She's now the queen. And as I preached last week, she receives a word from uh, Mordecai, who is now in the gate. He is grieving in the gate. Why is he grieving in the gate? Because there has been a trap that has been set, a law that has been made. Haman, who is the second man in power, with the signet ring on his hand, had stamped a law that on such a day, every Jew in the world, every Jew in 127 provinces, they're going to be killed. And Esther is now in the palace at this point in time. And uh, when he hears of this, he starts grieving in the gate. Mordecai stayed in the gate. And when he heard that the Jewish people were going to be destroyed, you have to realize that Mordecai had told Esther, when you get into the palace, until I tell you, don't tell anybody that you're a Jew. Don't tell it. And the Bible says she obeyed him as she did growing up. She was an obedient young person. It makes you appreciate obedient young people. Can you say amen? Obedient children. But she obeyed him. She didn't tell anybody that she was a Jew. And what happened is, is Mordecai, when she hears that her cousin, which is her 
who adopted her, became her father, is in the gate grieving. He's got sackcloth and ashes. He's, he's not acting normal. He's, he's grieving in the gate and word is sent to Esther, your cousin, Mordecai is down here. He's, he's got sackcloth on that was a material like a burlap they would use in the agony of mourning and grieving of something wrong. Their face wouldn't be oiled. The hair wouldn't be fixed. Their face wouldn't, they, 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 they would just be a mess and he's a mess down there weeping and crying and uh, and. And she sends a change of garment to him. And she tells Mordecai, you've got to straighten up. Why are you acting this way? Uh, what's going on here? Won't you put some, I've heard you got a bad outfit on. Won't you put these clothes on it? The Bible says he refused it. And he sent back to her the letter that said every, from that was stamped by Haman. The letter said on such and such day, in the month of Adar, that every Jew in the world would be killed. Every local government was going to receive money. And if you killed the Jew, you could have their house, their money, everything that belonged to them. It would now be yours. And plus all the police force. It is a mandate. It is even stimulus package backed up in this. There are so many millions of dollars that have been sent out from the government for all of these local governments to enforce that all the Jews would be killed. He realized that the king's signet, nothing can reverse that, but who? The king's the only one that can reverse that. And when he hears of this, that there is a plot against his people to die, he is stirred. I want to say to you today that there has to remain in the church a stirring. There's got to be a, a remain. The Bible says in that day there will be a falling away. The Bible talks about in that day, perilous times shall come. Teaches us that in that day, that there will be deception. People will show up and they will, there will be other Christ that would try to deceive. They'll call themselves as other Christ to deceive. Jesus said in his writing, when they said, what's the sign of the end time? He said, be not deceived. Could I say to every family in this room, devil has a plan to destroy your life. Come on, he's got a plan to destroy your family. He's got a plan to destroy you. I mean, no, it's true. He's a thief that's come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And when Mordecai, Mordecai heard of what Haman, who I typify as the devil, I, in this parallel of the story, I look at a house where it says the king of kings, a parallel that we can understand this relationship. Esther is who? She's the bride. I mean, no, she is by most theologians, if not all, all pastors, all teachers would say Esther is a type of the church or the bride of Christ. She's pure. She's undefiled. She pleases the king and she has favor with the king. I'm saying to you, we're not just the church. We're not just a group of people that meet in a church building. I mean, no, we are the bride of Christ. You are the Esther I'm preaching about. You really are. You're not just saved. You are the bride of Christ. And he says to Esther, he sends word and sends the copy of the letter that has went to by, Bible says they were sent by post, meaning the same word we get post office from. By post, people had ridden horses or camels or whatever to get the word all over 127 provinces. That goes from India all the way to Africa, all the way up into Europe. That's a large kingdom. And when they 
received this and he hears this. He sends a letter to her. He sends the copy of what's going to every, every Babylonian, every Persian, everybody in the kingdom. He sends a letter of what's been sent out. And when she reads it, she says, what do you want me to do? What am I to do? And he looks at her and he says, you've got to go to the king. You've got to go before him. You've got to do something to stop this. You've got to stop what the enemy is trying to do. I would say to you that what he was saying was Esther has the power to stop the plan of the devil. Esther has the power to stop the plan of Haman. I stop here tonight to tell you we have the power to stop the plan of the devil. I really believe it with all of my heart. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. And if God be for us, then who can be against us? Amen. Up on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. If you're glad about the church, clap your hands and thank God for the church. Hallelujah. I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He said, whatsoever you bind on earth, I'll bind in heaven. Hey, Esther, the king of kings said, whatsoever you loose on earth, I'll loose in heaven. You, you do it and I'll back you up. There is a place in God. And Mordecai could see in her what she could not see in herself. She was just somebody in a world she didn't belong in. She had been chosen by the king, but she was in a world she didn't belong in. She's a Jewish girl from Jerusalem. Very possibly though, she had been born though, maybe, in that land, but she knew she's not from there. She knew she belongs in Jerusalem. She's in a strange land with all these Babylonians and all these Persians. The background, the belief system, the God they believed in was totally different. She realized she's in the world, but not of the world. And I do say to you today, the Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Just because you're in the world doesn't mean you have to be of the world. Just because you're in American culture does not mean you have to do everything American culture does. Just because you're here doesn't mean you have to be pressured in to fit in with what everybody's doing. Come on, somebody say amen. And so Mordecai, Mordecai, he, he tells her, Esther, go before the king. And, and as I taught you before, but she responds this way. She said, all the king's servants and the people in Esther 4 and verse 11, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king into the inner court, who is not called, there is one law of his, or the king, to put him to death. If you come to the inner court uninvited, the king can kill you because you're not supposed to come unless you're called. And even as the queen, she understood she's not supposed to come in there unless she's what? Called by the king. Because it's the royal house. It's the inner court in the royal house where the throne room is. And she, she says this. She says, um, called, there's one law. It says to put him to death. Except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter. Now, if the king holds out the golden scepter when you show up, uh, he has... That he may, he has not, you have an opportunity to, be, to live. If he doesn't extend the golden scepter, what's going to happen? Executioners in the room that protect the king, they're going to kill you right now. Because you can't, you can't threaten the life of the king. Not just anybody can come in there. It was a law to protect the king. But I have not been called. She said, I have not been called. 
I have not been called. Listen, what she's saying. I have not been called to come in under the king these 30 days. Can I tell you the reason that she didn't go in there? Because she felt like she hadn't been called to come in there. She had a fear of the king because she didn't know that she was called. I'm going to preach to you for the next few minutes here. When she went before the king, when she went before the king, and, 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 and uh, let, me, let me just break it down for a minute. When she was going to the king, she was terrified he was going to kill her. She was terrified that he wasn't going to extend the golden scepter. And Mordecai responds to her, her words, when she was talking about, well, I'm not called to go. to. He didn't, I haven't seen him for 30 days. He hadn't called on me for 30 days. He, he says to her, he says in verse 13, and then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, think not within thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. You know what he was saying to her? Wake up. Look at your neighbor say, wake up. Man, wake up. Who do you think you are? Did you forget that you're a Jew? Did you not read the letter? Are you not listening to the, really he was a, really typology, he would be considered a, her pastor. Esther, do you not realize who you are? Do you not realize responsibility? Just because you're the queen does not mean you're going to escape the wrath of this judgment of Haman. Don't think for a minute you're going to escape just because you're in the palace. And he says to her, he says, for if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. He understood the commandment or the promise God to Abraham. And it was this, I'm going to bless those that bless you and I'm going to curse those that curse you. And he understood Listen, Esther, we are the seed of Abraham. We are the Jewish people. We are the chosen people of God. But the Lord, it appears, has chosen you to bring deliverance. But if you don't get involved, you're going to be lost and he's going to bring a deliverer from somewhere else. There is deliverance coming. But I believe God is choosing you to do it. You know what he was saying? Esther, you're the bride. Get involved. Quit sitting idle. Quit just talking about your royal blessings. Quit just looking around at all the things God's given you since you've been married to him, since you've come to him. He's blessed you with joy and peace and health and finances and all these things. You, you live better since you came to him, but there's more to this than just living better. Church is more. Church is more than prosperity. Church is more than a better way to a better future. Church is more than that. I come to preach to you, there's a responsibility upon the bride. There's a responsibility upon the bride of Christ. It's a calling of God. Somebody shout, a calling of God. They sang on Sunday night. It's talked about, I've got the joy, joy, joy. They sang that, I think that's how they ended that old song. I've got happiness, I've got joy, but it's not good enough just to be happy. It's not good enough just to be blessed. It's not good enough just to have joy in your life. Watch what happens. He says to her, he says, house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. I preach to you right now. Who knows if you've been brought to this church for this now moment? Who knows if God brought you out in the last few years for to do something right now? 
Who knows if God called you in the last few months or the last few years because there's a destiny upon your life besides just being saved. She, at this point, she told them, she said to Mordecai, she said, get all the Jewish people in the, in the city, in Shushan. Get them all to fast and tell them, tell them not to eat, tell them not to drink for me. She said, have them to fast for me because I've got to go into the throne room. Have everybody on a three-day fast. No food, no drink, day or night, she said. I need, I need some backup. I, listen, Persians didn't do that. But the people of God know the power of fasting and prayer. How many believe in fasting and prayer? I believe in it. There's power in fasting. There's power in pushing the plate aside for a few days. There really is. It's a life changer. It doesn't as much as move God as it moves us to a place where God can hear us. It puts us right in perspective. And uh, she gets everybody fasting. And she, she tells Mordecai, and on the third day, she said, I'll go in. She said, if I perish, I perish. Her mindset, Sister Sharp, was to just not perish. That was her mindset. I just hope he doesn't kill me. I know I've got a responsibility, but I just hope I do not die. Do you know in her progression of faith, she had to graduate from this person that just wanted to stay alive. Let me put it this way, to just not go to hell, to just go to church just to be glad to be saved. Just to hope that when he comes, he's going to, when he sounds a trumpet, he's going to let me go with him. I just hope I'm not lost. I just hope he doesn't kill me. She doesn't understand who she is in her progression of faith. You've got to graduate from this concept of just glad to be saved or just hope he doesn't kill you. And to this person, you start realizing, I'm not just saved. I'm not just not going to hell. I'm going to tell you who I am. I'm his bride. I, I've, got, I've got access to him. Amen. He's not going to kill me. He has given me an open invitation. I can come into the throne room anytime that I want to. Somebody say amen. amen. Well, you don't know who I am. You don't know what I did back in the day. You don't know where I come from, what family background. It created insecurities. I was, I was abused. I had these things that were put into my spirit. And oh, you go down the line. Let me tell you, when you have that 12-month cleansing, all of that stuff was washed away. He allowed and provided you with everything you needed to purge yourself, to cleanse yourself from the errors of yesterday. I'm preaching to you right now. You gotta quit living in what you think you're worth and start living in what he says you're worth. He says you're my bride. If there's one person I wanna, he said I wanna spend eternity with you. In my marriage counseling sessions, premarital counseling sessions, I typically have a session where I'll pull them aside. I said, now listen, when you stand there on that day, I was getting ready to say day of judgment, but that's not. When you stand there on that wedding day, Brother Melik, and you're saying, for better or worse, in sickness and in health, for rich or for poor, only unto you so long as we both shall live. When that person says that to you, you just received the greatest compliment you could ever receive. Because you know what they're saying? I only get one life and I want to spend it with you. What a compliment. And to think that out of everybody in the world, he called you, he called your name, he accepted you, he brought you into him. 
He chose you. You're here. Do you realize what type of compliment that is from the King of Kings to say we got eternity together? Amazing grace, that verse says, for 10,000 years. I've come to tell you, if you only knew how much he values you. Can I preach on it a little while? You're the apple of his eye. The Bible says you are the elect. You are the bride. You are his children. I think you ought to thank God that you are who he says you are. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. And so he's telling her, you've come to the kingdom. Esther, you need to know who you are. There's nobody that has access to the king like you. There's not one other Jew that has access to him like you. Esther, go to the king. Oh, three days of fasting. All of, the, all of the maidens around her are hungry. She's hungry. Every Jew's hungry. And on the third day, she walks in to the royal queen's closet. She walks in and when she gets in there, I'm going to wear the royal garment. This is his favorite color. This is the favorite material. This, this, I don't know which one it was, but she put on royal clothes. She put off just the normal everyday thing. She said, I am going to be who he says I am. And she garmented herself in royalty because when you go to the king, he wants you to know who you are. The Bible says, cast not away therefore your confidence. If you're ever going to do anything for God, you've got to have confidence in who you are. Quit this man be pamby, be little in yourself, feeling bad. God's not ever going to let me. Let me tell you something. I've been there where I battle with insecurity and acceptance. There is something that you can get a hold of here tonight. I'm telling you, in the progression of faith, God will give you confidence in who you are. It's one thing to know who he is. It's another thing to know who you are. The Bible says we've been washed in his blood. When you get in, he doesn't see your past. He doesn't see the record of wrong. You've been washed clean. The Bible says you put on a, a white linen garment. That's an unspotted, unreal. How many have the royal apparel? You've been washed in his blood today. How many glad you've been washed in his blood? The past is gone. She said, yep, I belong here. She puts on that royal garment. She makes her way uninvited into the inner court with the king. When she gets into the court, and it was so when the king saw Esther, when he just saw her, when his eyes connected to her, the queen standing in the court, that she obtained favor in his sight. He wasn't thinking about killing her. She walked in timid. She walked in meek. She walked in quiet. She walked in thinking, I hope he lifts the scepter. I hope he points the scepter at me. I hope he, oh, oh, I'm glad they've been fasting, but I hope it works good enough. I, I hope he'll receive me. I mean, the closer she gets, the more nervous. She's probably sweating. She's probably sweating right now. Probably got a ring around the collar on the royal robe. Her hands are probably doing like this. She's probably wringing her hands. She's so nervous. Because in her mind, she does not know who she is. But it's about to change in her, in the presence of the king. And when she goes in, when he sees her, she's got favor. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you can live a life that has favor with the king of kings. Sometimes people ask for favor. 
with God. But they don't, they don't live a life to obtain favor with God. She lived a life that obtained favor. All these people asking for favor but don't want to live the life that pleases the king. You can live a life that's pleasing to God. It's called grace. By grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. Amen. When you seek the Lord, it pleases Him. Seek the Lord and He may be found. And when you start wanting to please God, you will please God. I want you to say that. If you will seek to please God, you will please God. Amen. It's that simple. Seek the Lord while He may be found. And watch what happens when she goes in. She obtains favor with the king. And when the king sees her, he said, Esther. He said unto her, what wilt thou, Queen Esther? What is it I can do for you? And what is thy request? It shall be given thee to the half of the kingdom. Chapter 5 and verse 4. I will give you half of the kingdom. Uh, or verse 3. I will give you half of the kingdom. She didn't have to ask him. He started asking her. She, he knew she was there for a reason. He said, I'll give you everything. Up to half Oh, the king. I wonder what would happen in us if we quit coming to God as if we're bothering him. Did I lose y'all tonight? Is my voice getting on your nerves tonight? I know it's not where it needs to be, but I'm giving it my best, I promise you. But when you come to the house of God and you start talking to God and if you're living a life, do you realize he'll give you half the kingdom? Well, I don't want to bother God. This is just petty. This is just small. Oh, this would be too big. God, God's not thinking about it. You've got to quit thinking that way, that he's just, just glad he didn't send you to hell, just glad that you're saved. No, no, no. When she walks in to make a petition, he starts talking to her. And you know what she says? Um, uh, she reaches out and touches the golden scepter. I... Um, I can imagine, I would imagine. I feel like the back story, I can say this. Esther, why are you so nervous? You're trembling, you're sweating. Um, you know what I'd like you to do? I'd like you to come to a banquet. Boy, that's one way to get, get a man's attention right there. I'd like to cook you a great meal. Spaghetti, mashed potatoes, amen. Praise <laughs> God. Cook you a good meal. I'd like to have it laid out. And uh, you know what I want you to do? Watch her. I want you to bring that Haman. Bring Haman with you. I want him to come. I want him to come too. Listen, something turned over in her when she heard from the king that half the kingdom was hers. Something changed in this timid, lamb-like, shy, humble queen. When he told her Half the kingdom is hers. She progressed. She starts feeling a little bit of the bold. Something starts going on inside of her. She starts thinking, I do have access. I do now have authority. And so guess what? Haman walks out of there. Let me, let me skip Haman. I'm, I'm going to move on to the banquet. Haman, Haman shows up in his arrogance and his pride, lifted up that he's the only one invited besides the king to the banquet. If he only knew who's cooking him a meal, that she's got something else cooking for him. There's something else cooking for him. And watch what happens. He shows up 
out the banquet and walks in and the table was spread and I, she's got the candles lit and the food is ready. The decor is nice. It's a royal banquet for two people and her. And when they sit down and they've eaten, and they sit there, the king says to Esther, what is it that you were wanting to ask me? I can see what you've made ready. What is it? And she said, oh, king. She said, somebody has threatened all of my people. There is a threat against my family. There's a threat against my people, including me. They are planning on killing me. And the king, I can almost see it. He stands up and said, who is it? Who in the kingdom is going to do this to you? And you know what she said? Oh, uh, well, I don't know how I'm going to say it. No, that's not how this timid child that started out with this relationship with the king it's no longer. You know what she says? She says in chapter 7, she says in, in chapter 7 and verse 6, she said, Esther said, the adversary and enemy is the this wicked Haman. She got bold. She began to learn to identify what was against her. She identified what was against her family and she called it out. It's this wicked. You know what she realized when she was in the throne room with the king? She realized, I've got more authority than Haman does. Haman's got some power, but I've got half the kingdom. I preach to you tonight that there is an adversary. I blame all the chaos on the, on the devil. I blame all confusion on the devil. I blame all the trouble and all the things and all the things that we, I blame all that trouble on the devil. But I got good news for you tonight. There's somebody in the building that has more power than all the devils in the world. And it's the church. It's the bride of Christ. It's the people that are in this room. You've got power. You've got power. He said, I will give you, I'll give you half of the kingdom. Whatever you ask, I will do it. Does Haman have some authority? Yes, we've seen it. But he doesn't have as much authority as she does. And when he said, when she said, it's this wicked Haman. I would wish somebody would jump up and say, it's this wicked devil. Come on, I wish somebody would say, it's this wicked devil. That's the problem. It's the devil. Come on, I said it's the devil. He's a thief. He's come to steal. He's come to kill. He's come to destroy. But Jesus said, but I've come to give you life and that more abundantly. I'm going to give you life. I'm going to give you hope. I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to give you joy. There's a powerful verse. The Bible says, submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee. The devil is scared of the bride. The Bible says even the devils believe in one God and they tremble. They're terrified of you. They're terrified. They're terrified of God. They're terrified of the things that God loves. And let me tell you something. I can prove it over and over again in scripture. God loves his church. God loves his bride. He went to the cross to give his life for it. Amen. We are the church. We are the bride of Christ. Somebody shout hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, Esther, you've come to the kingdom for now. Praise God. Come on, turn around to somebody around you and say, you've come to the kingdom for a right now moment. God don't want to send you to hell. 
Bible says hell wasn't even prepared for us. It's for the devil and his angels. I realize Haman built a gallows that was 50 cubits high. 50 cubits high. Some estimate it was 75 feet high. He built it for Mordecai. You can be seated. He built it for Mordecai because he wouldn't bow to him. Remember, three Hebrew children wouldn't bow and God set them free. Do you remember that, that Daniel wouldn't stop praying and God set him free from the mouth of the lion? And you'll find that in this moment, Mordecai didn't bow. And that's why the law was written. Because there was a, there was a people that would not bow and worship him. Here's a topology of the devil. I'm not going to fall into his traps. I'm not going to go into the doctrine of devils. I'm not going to believe what he's trying to get me to believe. I'm going to stand up for his word. I'm going to stand up for what God wants me to be. And amen, God's going to set me free. God's going to do a work in my life. If you want to be free, just point toward Jesus and he'll set you free tonight. Somebody say amen. amen. And so the second thing that I say, the, the progression of faith is the fear of the king. I know he can kill me. I know the king can judge me. Don't fear the one that can destroy the body, but the one that can destroy the body and the soul. She approached the king knowing he had the authority to let live or let die. We can never forget that. Come on, how many know? You just can't live for God casually. I said it years and years ago. heard it many years ago. If you live for God easy, it's going to be hard. But if you live for God hard, it makes it so easy. You got to be intentional. Every relationship you have in your life, I don't care if it's spouse, job, family, parents, children, or God. You've got to be intentional about relationships. Can you say amen? And if you will do this hard, you'll sell out and do what he wants you to do. I'm going to tell you, living for him becomes so easy. It's a blessed life. How many believe this is a blessed life? I think I'm done. That's why I said when I was 11 years old, I preached a minute and a half and I said, it's all I've got. I got a lot more in this. I could go for a long time, but I'm not going to. Esther, you were called to be his bride. Not just so he wouldn't kill you. Because there's purpose and destiny in your voice. There is a call of God. The progression of faith. The progression of faith of Esther. She went with, I'm just glad he let me to live. Just glad I'm not going to hell. To number two. Is the responsibility of a call of God on your life. Honey. Our children are depending on us. This church is depending on us. This church is depending on you. I'm going to take it further. This city is depending on you. I know we're not the only church, but I can't take responsibility for what the other churches are doing. As for me and my house, I have to take that responsibility. We are going to serve the Lord. I can't wait on another house. I can't wait on another family. For all of you in the room that are saying, well, if my family, then I will. It'll never happen. Your family will if you will. 
You just say, I make a choice. I'm gonna be what the king needs me to be. Come on, stand to your feet, clap your hands and say, I wanna be called of God. Amen. They don't, you don't have to come to the music tonight. I'm gonna say this to you. I grew up in this. One of the most amazing homes with some of the most amazing people, Frank and Debbie Bounds. Awesome, constant, consistent, loving, guiding parents that I still talk to almost every single day, if not more than once or twice a day. I thank God for them. They taught me to love the church. Never had to ask one time, are we going to church? They just went. They went. And... I grew up in that, and, but I remember a moment when I was 16. I asked myself a question. Do I love God? I've been blessed by the kingdom. I've been blessed. It wasn't that I didn't think I was blessed. I knew I was different. I knew we were different. I couldn't do what everybody else was doing. I came to a decision point in my life. Am I just going to go to church, or am I going to be the, am I going to be the bride? What is my responsibility now? Is there something dependent upon me? And I'll never forget when I started praying. I'll be whatever you want me to be. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll say whatever you want me to say. And I'll go wherever you want me to go. Here's my hands. Here's my feet. Here's my mouth, my ears. Here's me. Doesn't matter what it is. I'll live on the other cross the tracks in the shack by the railroad track if I got to. I told the Lord one time, rolling in the floor praying. I was so troubled because I almost pushed my calling aside. I had a calling on my life. I kept pushing aside. And finally, I, I was in prayer alone in the sanctuary. And I, I was so in agony, torn of accepting that call. And I literally was rolling on the floor, <laughs> weeping and crying before God. <laughs> Because he was pulling me to greater. And I was trying to stay at mediocre. There's no mediocre in the kingdom. There's no, there's no half-hearted. There's, the Bible says there's no lukewarm in this. He spews it out of his mouth. In or out. In or out. And I'd wrestle. I had the Mordecai's preaching. There's a call of God. And I'd run and cry but wouldn't commit. Finally, 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 finally. I told God I'll go. I'll be, I'll do. I'm going to tell you right now, it's the best thing I've ever done is to walk into that inner court and say, I'll take on the responsibility. There's a Haman on the loose that needs to be killed. There's an enemy that's trying to attack our church, trying to attack our families. I'm telling you, it's intercession. It's power. When I come to the pulpit, it's not just making you feel better about where you are. This is about engaging you in the greatest war that there's ever been. You are an I know I've talked to you about being the bride, but you have responsibility like a, like a military person to stand up and say, not in my house, devil. Not, with, not in my mind. Not in my marriage. Not, not going to do it. There's power in what I'm preaching to you. Somebody shout, there's power in what I'm preaching. Come on, there's power. I want you to lift your hands and say, I don't want to just be saved. I want to take on the call of God that you have for my life. Come on. You can be a churchgoer. 
enjoy the benefits of royalty with the king, you're going to hear the voice of Mordecai. There's a Haman loose that needs destroyed. You got to go to the king. Somebody's got to pray to the king. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, reach out to him. Let the Lord have his way. Come on, Esther. He loves you. He listens to what you pray. He listens to what you ask. Why don't you go and talk to him right now? Why don't we find somewhere to pray? Come on, praying for your kids, praying for your family, and realizing the hand of God is upon your life even now. God hasn't rejected you. God's wanting to pull you closer to him. He loves you right now in this room. Every single person, tell the Lord, I'm going to be what you called me to be. I'm taking spiritual dominion. I'm taking spiritual authority. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.